Welcome to episode 15 in our life group study of Romans. Uh, we're presently looking at Romans 11. Uh, in the last episode, Ian took us up to verse 24. And so today what we want to do is just pick up from where he left off. And we want to look at three verses, verse 25, 26, and 27. So let's get started by reading these three verses. Um, and together with these three verses, I'd also like to read verse 28, simply because it will help us to put these three verses into context and it will also shed some light on their meaning. So we're just going to be discussing uh, these three verses, verse 25, 26, and 27 today, but I do want to read verse 28 just to help us in our discussion of these three verses. So let's get started by just reading these three verses. Um, let's look at verse 25, and let's just read through to verse 28. Paul writes this, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. If we cast our minds back to what we've seen so far in this chapter, we will remember that Paul has shown us that even though uh, the nation of Israel has as a nation not accepted Christ and the gospel, there still are some Jews who have, and he calls them the remnant. He says that the rest of the nation has been hardened and they've stumbled over the stumbling block, which is Christ. However, that's not where the story ends. Paul then went on to show us that all this does not mean that God is through with the nation of Israel. Rather, he explains to us that what has happened to them is all part of God's plan to save the Gentiles. And I think you can remember we, we covered that two episodes ago. Then in the last episode, Paul showed us how possible it is for God to bring Israel as a nation back to himself. And Paul uses this analogy of the olive tree. And he says, if it was possible for God to graft in the Gentiles into the olive tree, even though they are wild olive tree branches, how much easier is it for him to graft back into the olive tree the natural branches, uh, referring to Israel? Now in these verses that we've just read, we see him take it another step further. And he declares that this is what certainly is going to happen at some point in the future. I hope that you can see the progression. As he starts out on this chapter, he says God has not totally rejected all Jews. Even though the majority have been hardened, there's still that remnant that have believed. Then as he continues in the chapter, he makes it clear to us that even though most of the Jews have stumbled over Christ and the gospel, this does not mean that God is through with them as a nation. And then he takes it another step further. He says, you know what? It's easy for God to turn them back from their unbelief and restore them to himself again. It's very possible. And then in this, these verses that we've just read, he takes it once again, that extra step, and he says it's not only possible for God to do this, but this is what he is going to do. In other words, Paul takes it in verse 25 to 27 from the realms of possibility into the realm of certainty. So let's just have a look more closely at these verses, and let's attempt to get a deeper understanding of what Paul is saying will eventually happen. What I'd like to do is just to give you six questions which you can discuss and answer as a life group. We're going to put them up on the screen so that you can go through them together. Uh, so once they're up on the screen, just pause the video and uh, then you can discuss them. And then once you finish discussing them, you can just hit the play button again and we'll see how well that you've answered them. 
as you attempt to answer these questions, uh, just consider that uh, consider them in the terms of all that Paul has said in the book of Romans thus far, and also in the light of the rest of Scripture. In other words, try to ensure that your answers have a scriptural basis and are not just your own thoughts and reasonings. Whenever we ask questions of Scripture, that's the way we need to look to answer those questions. And I encourage you, it might be a good thing for you just to write these answers down, maybe get one of the member of your life group to just write the answers down as you go along to be your, your secretary or your scribes, um, so to speak. So having said all that, here are the questions. Um, let me just go through them and then they'll come up on your screen and uh, you can then pause and discuss them. So the first question, can you define what a mystery is, biblically speaking? The second question, what is the specific mystery Paul is revealing in these verses? Third, why does Paul use the phrase partial hardening in verse 25? Number four, what does Paul mean when he says, all Israel will be saved? Who is all Israel? And what does he mean when he uses the word saved? Number five, what does the phrase, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, mean? And what can we deduce from it? And lastly, number six, why did Paul write what he did in these verses? That's verses 25 to 27. What was he hoping to accomplish? And what do we gain by studying them? So just take some time now just to go through and discuss these questions. And we'll see you back here once you're done. Well, welcome back. Uh, let's just go through these questions together and, and see what answers we can come up with. Firstly, what is a mystery, biblically speaking? Well, let me give you a definition. It is an aspect of God's eternal purpose, which, although it is declared in the Old Testament, is indiscernible until it is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. It is an aspect of God's eternal purpose, which, although it is declared in the Old Testament, is indiscernible until it is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul used the word mystery on numerous other occasions in his writings. Uh, let's just look at two of them, because we don't have time to go through all of them. But let's just look at these two, and I think that they will give us a pretty good insight into what Paul meant when he used this word mystery. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 25 to 26, uh, we read the following. Let me just read it to you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, notice the word, a mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. Now notice Paul refers to this thing and he calls it a mystery. And he says that it's been kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed, and then he tells us how it's been disclosed. It's been disclosed through the prophetic writings. So this mystery that he's talking about here was in the prophetic writings all along. It was there. It's not like something that is outside of the Old Testament prophetic writings. It can, is contained in those writings, but even though it was contained in those writings, it has been hidden. It has been kept secret through all the ages until the current age when the Holy Spirit has made it known. If we go to Ephesians chapter 3 verses 4 to 5 and, and we just read this next passage here as well, we'll see how God has chosen 
to reveal this mystery or these mysteries that are in that have been in the Old Testament all along, but were not discernible, were not able to be known or, or seen and discovered by people. This is how he's chosen to reveal them. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 to 5 says this. Paul is writing and he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight. That's Paul's insight into the mystery. Notice the word there again of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. So once again, we see this aspect of here is this mystery that was not made known to people in other generations in previous generations, but it has now been revealed. And how has it been revealed? It's been revealed by the Holy Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Okay, and obviously Paul, as a holy apostle, was one of those who received this insight into the mysteries of God that were contained in the Old Testament. And so when we come back now to the mystery that Paul is making known in Romans chapter 11, we can see why he quotes some verses from the Old Testament as he does so. It's because he wanted the saints in Rome to see that what he was declaring would happen to Israel was not some new prophetic declaration or some new prophetic insight that he had received personally um, just at that particular time, but one that had been declared in the Old Testament all along and yet had not been perceived or understood by men until it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So essentially what Paul was saying is he was saying this, is, this mystery is there in the Old Testament, but none of us have seen it up until now when the Holy Spirit has revealed it to me as one of God's holy apostles. All right, so that gives us an understanding of what Paul means when he uses this word mystery. Uh, now let's go on to the second question. And the second question was, what is the mystery that Paul is referring to here? Well, Paul uh, makes it very clear. Uh, he says that it is a, the, the mystery is this, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in and in this way, all Israel will be saved. That's the mystery. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Let's go to the third question. Why does Paul use the phrase partial hardening? Well, let's just think back to the beginning of this chapter, chapter 11. Although the majority of Israel were hardened, not everyone was. So that, that makes it a partial hardening. A partial hardening is not a total hardening. And it was a partial hardening that had come upon Israel. And it had come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles had come in. So while the Gentiles are coming in, even though most Jews are not being saved, there were still some who are being saved or who were being saved. Why? Because not all Israel had been hardened. It was only a partial hardening. Okay, so that's why he uses that phrase partial hardening. He's re-emphasizing the fact that it's not every Jew that's been hardened. There are still some that have not been hardened. There are still some who have believed. And that's happened right through the church age. Then the fourth question, what does Paul mean when he says all Israel will be saved? What does he mean when he says all Israel be saved? And specifically, what we're, the point that we're making here is who is all Israel? And what does Paul mean when he uses the word saved? We want him to understand that particular expression that he uses. Well, let's address the second part of this question first. What does Paul mean when he uses the word saved? Well, it's the same word that Paul used in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, where Paul spoke about the saints in Rome being saved from the wrath of God through Jesus. 
It's the same word he used in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, when he said that it was his heart's desire and prayer to God that Israel might be saved. And it's the same word he used in Romans chapter 10, 9, when he said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's also the same word he used in chapter 10, verse 13, when he said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm absolutely certain that this is exactly what he had in mind here as well when he used this word saved. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about being saved from God's wrath. So he's talking about all Israel being saved in that way. So with that, that particular uh, part of the question answered, let's look at the second part of the question. Who is all Israel? Now, there are three predominant answers that have been given by scholars to this question. Uh, the first one is, Many Bible scholars say Paul is talking about spiritual Israel here. In other words, he's talking about Abraham's spiritual children, both Jew and Gentile. He's talking about the people that Paul referred to in Romans chapter 4, both Jew and Gentile, circumcised and uncircumcised, who have the faith of Abraham. Okay, so that's what some scholars say he is specifically referring to here when he refers to all Israel. Other scholars uh, say that Paul is referring to the remnant of Israel. In other words, they say, that, that Paul is saying that all of God's remnant, all, every Jew, every Israelite that God foreknew, as he said in chapter 11, verse 2, are those that he's talking about and those who will be saved. And then thirdly, there are others who say Paul is talking about the nation of Israel at the time when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So in other words, the nation of Israel that is alive on the earth at that particular time when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So let's just deal with these three possibilities. Um, which of these uh, three possibilities is it that Paul is specifically talking about here? And I just want to underline that word specifically. Who is he specifically talking about here? To say that all of Abraham's spiritual descendants, in other words, spiritual Israel, will be saved is certainly not wrong. Uh, we know that this will indeed happen. Uh, if you cast your minds back to Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30, we can see that Paul has already established this fact. He did it right back there in Romans chapter 8 where he, you know, he talks about all those whom God foreknew being ultimately glorified. But is that what Paul is really and specifically referring to here? Is that what he's trying to tell us here? Is this the message he's trying to bring across to us here when he says, all Israel be saved? If we consider his wording, we will see that it's not. Uh, what about uh, this idea that it is the remnant that he's talking about? Well, we know that all those who are a part of the remnant will be saved. For the same reason that we've just said all of spiritual Israel will be saved. Paul says that they were foreknown by God. And remember what he told us in Romans 8 verse 29 to 30, that all whom he foreknew are certainly going to be glorified. In other words, they are certainly going to be saved. But once again, we ask the same question. If he was specifically referring to the remnant here, if, it, if the point that he's trying to make is that the, all of the remnant will be saved, why would he use the words all Israel? Why wouldn't he just say the word the remnant or all of the remnant is going to be saved? So we have to ask that question. Uh, so let's just look at these verses again, because just as I said a, a few moments ago, the wording that Paul uses here uh, eliminates this idea that he's specifically referring here to spiritual Israel. And it also eliminates the fact that he's specifically referring to the remnant. Although, as I will explain just now, he, these, these groups are included in what Paul is saying here. So let's just have a look at these verses again, and I just want you to see how Paul words them. 
So we, we start in verse uh, 25, and this is what he says. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. Do you see the word Israel there? Make a note of it. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Notice the word Gentiles there. There's a distinction between Israel and the fullness of the Gentiles who are coming in. Just keep that in your mind. He then carries on and he says, And in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, notice once again Israel there, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Just underline the word Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them. Notice that word them, underline that. When I take away their sins, underline that word. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Just underline they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they, underline that word again, they are beloved for the sake of their, notice that word there, forefathers. All right, now if you have a look at the way Paul has worded that, and particularly uh, making, placing emphasis on those words that I uh, asked you to underline there, you will see that the same group of people who have been partially hardened and are therefore enemies of the gospel are those who are beloved for the sake of their forefathers and will ultimately be saved. You can, you can follow Paul's train of thought through by just looking at the words he's selected to use. And so I'm convinced that Paul is specifically talking here about Israel as a, as a people, as a nation. As a people or as a nation, they were opposing the gospel and had rejected Christ due to the partial hardening that had taken place. The only ones in the nation of Israel that were not opposing the gospel and had not rejected Christ were those who were not hardened, that, that remnant that Paul talks about. What Paul is saying here is that uh, this is going to continue to be the case until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and then the partial blindness will be removed and then all Israel will be saved. In other words, then all of the nation of Israel will be saved. And he says that it's at that time when they are saved, that ungodliness will be banished from Jacob, from Israel as a nation. That's when, as a nation, they will be saved. So does this mean that every Israelite person who has ever been born will be saved? Not at all. You may say, why not? Well, because Paul has really made it clear in this letter that not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Remember, we saw that in Romans chapter 9, verse 6. And he's already shown from the Old Testament that although Israel be like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved. We saw that in chapter 9, verse 27. In other words, Paul has made it clear that not all Jews that have ever been born will be saved. And I think we can, we can easily see this as we look through Scripture. Uh, one example, which I'll just mention to you today, is Judas. We know that Judas is called the son of perdition. We know that Judas was an Israelite. And yet Judas is not going to be saved. So you may say, well, Paul is contradicting himself, but he's not. You see, Scripture is not contradicting itself. Paul is not contradicting himself. Only a remnant of Israel will be saved. Not all Jews that have lived throughout history will be saved. However, the point that Paul is making here is this, that the entire nation of Israel at the time when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, is actually part of the remnant that will be saved and that they are actually foreknown by God and they are actually Abraham's spiritual seed. You see, what we can learn from these verses is that God's redemptive plan is going to end with the entire nation of Israel at that time 
being saved. And this is the mystery that he's expounding here. So I hope that that just becomes a little bit more clear to you. Who is this, this group that he calls all Israel that's going to be saved? It is the, the entire nation of Israel at the time when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. At the time when the deliverer comes from Zion and banishes ungodliness from Jacob. So let's go on now to the fifth question. What does the phrase, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, mean? And what can we deduce from it? Well, there's been some debate over this as the word translated fullness can also mean abundance. So this phrase could be taken two ways. It might mean uh, that once an abundance of Gentiles has come in, uh, in the time of this partial hardening, um, then the partial hardening will be done away with and all Israel will be saved. Or it might mean that once the full number of Gentiles has come in, this will take place. So the former interpretation suggests that there could still be some Gentiles coming in once all Israel is saved, whereas the latter interpretation um, only allows for Israel to be saved once all the Gentiles that God foreknew have been grafted into the olive tree. So what the, the latter interpretation is saying is that God will finish dealing with the Gentiles completely and then he will then revisit Israel, turn his attention back to Israel and save the entire nation at that time. I don't believe that we can be absolutely categorical either way. However, what we can say is this, whether this is only going to happen once all Gentiles who are to be saved have been saved or whether they may, there may still be some left who haven't been saved when this happens, there is a number that must be saved before God will revisit Israel as a nation and save them. And the fact that this has not yet happened, the fact that God has not yet revisited Israel as a nation and we do not see all Israel saved, tells us that the fullness of the Gentiles has not yet come in. There are still more Gentiles who need to be brought in, who need to come in before God is going to fulfill uh, this particular mystery uh, and bring Israel as a nation back to himself. Okay, so I don't think we need to get too uh, dogmatic on that. Um, I, what, whichever way it is, I believe that the, the last redemptive act of God is going to be, his attention is going to be turned back to Israel. And as a nation at that time, the Israel will turn back to God. And so this whole redemptive plan is going to finish with Israel as a nation back in the fold, as a nation back in the hands of God. That's what I believe Paul is making clear here. So let's look at the sixth question. Why did Paul write what he did in these verses, verses 25 to 27? Uh, what was he hoping to accomplish? Well, he tells us he did not want the saints in Rome to be unaware or to be ignorant of this mystery. Okay, so that's why he wrote these particular verses. So that leads us to ask, well, why did he not want them to be unaware or ignorant of this mystery? And once again, he tells us in verse 25, he says, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. You see, Paul did not want the Gentile believers and, and even the Gentile believers, in, uh, sorry, the Jewish believers in Rome to be misinformed about this mystery because he knew that if they were, they would come to a totally wrong conclusion about the destiny of the nation of Israel and its position in God's plan and purpose because of the animosity the nation at that time was showing to the gospel and to Christ. And so he didn't want the, the Gentile believers in Rome 
uh, to write Israel off. And so for us today, when we look at Paul's words, with the historical hindsight that we have, the historical hindsight of what happened to the nation of Israel in AD 70 and subsequent to that, how they lost their land and were scattered into the nations of the world and ceased to be a nation for almost 1900 years, I think we can see how inspired Paul was to write what he did. You know, maybe in Paul's mind, he was just writing to the saints in Rome, but God knew that Paul was writing these words so that his church throughout all ages, and that includes us, might know God's plan and intentions with regards to Israel. You see, God knew what was going to happen about 15 years after this letter was written. He knew that his people in the Gentile nations, unless they had knowledge of this mystery, would most certainly, when they saw how Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70 and how the Jews lost their land and were scattered over the world, how they would conclude that God had finally judged them for what they had done to Jesus and that he had ended his relationship with them forever. And you know, many Gentiles, even though these words were written, many Gentile believers uh, through church history have come to that conclusion and have even treated the Jews in a manner that is really anti what the Bible teaches, totally against God's will, simply because they didn't take Paul's words to heart yet or they didn't understand them. So these words were written to stop that kind of behavior happening, that kind of conclusion being drawn. You see, God knew how such a conclusion might cause Gentile believers to view and treat the scattered Jews who were living in their lands. And so it was God who inspired Paul to make this mystery known to Gentile believers so they would not come to this erroneous conclusion, so that they would, not, they would know that despite what had happened to the Jews, uh, them being scattered throughout the world, losing their land, God was not through with them as a people. They were still beloved by Him for the sake of the, the forefathers. Today, we live in a most incredible time. We have been privileged to witness the reestablishing of the nation of Israel and the regathering of its people from all over the world to the land that God gave to Abraham nearly 4,000 years ago. More so than any generation since the time of Christ, we can see that God is not through with Israel. We can see that Israel still has a place in His eternal purpose by the very uh, virtue that He has reestablished and restored that nation back in the Middle East, back to its land after 1900 years of being scattered throughout the nations of the world. Paul's words written before any of this took place show us how inspired they were. And you know what? They give us confidence in the inspiration of the New Testament. They help us to believe that all we've been studying in Romans is the inspired Word of God. Paul wrote these words down even before Jerusalem had been destroyed, even before the temple had been leveled in AD 70. About 15 years before that happened, Paul wrote these words. And how inspired they were, how inspired they have proven to be. God is not through with Israel. And what Paul has declared, the mystery that he has declared in these three verses, will most certainly come to pass. We can be absolutely sure of it. And so through these verses, we gain such great insight into the big picture, the big picture of how God is dealing with the nation of Israel in relation to the Gentiles as well. And we, we get a, a, a bird's eye view of God's redemptive plan that He's going to bring to fulfillment in the days that lie ahead. Uh, at some point, we're not sure how long, but at some point God will fulfill this mystery that Paul has revealed to us. And we can be absolutely certain of it because we can already see that it is beginning to happen. God is at work in the nation of Israel 
and he is going to bring the nation of Israel as a nation back to himself, just as Paul has declared. Well, I hope that you've got something from this particular study. Uh, it certainly just is very exciting to me uh, and inspiring to me just to see how the Word of God is absolutely inspired by God and is the truth and that he will fulfill every word that he has inspired. May the Lord bless you and may he continue just to give you understanding of these incredible mysteries that the Word of God reveals to us. God bless you all.